what great weather we've had the past, well, at least yesterday and today, and I think maybe through Tuesday it'll be okay. So I know a lot of people will be mowing their grass, right? I did hear a joke. Um, tried it on Macy this morning, and this is appropriate, um, I believe. So um, you guys will make sure I know if it's not. But um, here, here goes the joke. There was a guy who was in Vegas with his wife, and um, a few days in, not because of malpractice or anything, his wife became sick. So because she was sick, she kept on getting worse and worse and worse. So what he realized is he needed to go around and ask for some money so that he could take her to the ER. So he asked some people one day, hey, my wife has um, became sick. I need some money to take her to the emergency room. Do you have any? And she, uh, the first person said no. So then he asked another person. The next person says no. The next day, she begins to get sicker and sicker. So he asks a couple more people, and they say no. And then finally, he at least gets a conversation on the third day. And he says, hey... My wife is sick. She needs to go to the emergency department. Do you have any money for me? And the guy said, this is Vegas. How do I know that you're not going to spend this money gambling? And he said, well, I already have my money for gambling. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> Macy looked at me, she's like, what's the point? <laughs> the guy's a jerk? We are going to get into the book of Revelation today, and um, let's pray, and then um, we'll get started. Father, um, we just ask that you would do a work in this church, just this um, deep, deep work that goes beyond our prayers, goes beyond our desires, goes even beyond our wishes. Father, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend the wonderful things that you have for us. So, Father, I pray that you just do a deep work in us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to comprehend, hearts with fertile soil, feet that want to run with obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you just want to share a testimony of God being at work? Just this kind of work that we generally think if you have a plan, here's how the plan will work. And I, Mark and I have kept you up to date somewhat of some of the young people that we've been able to minister to. And one of the young people we've kept you up to date on is, you know, this person came to our Bible club the first week and kind of made eye contact and stuck around. And then they kept on sticking around. And then we didn't have pizza for a while. And then while we didn't have pizza, they kept on sticking around. And then we finally got pizza back, and they're still there. And they asked to meet one-on-one. -on -one. So Mark and I were able to meet, I guess, one-on-one-on-one -on -one -on -one last Tuesday with this um, young person because they had more questions about who Jesus was. And um, not knowing, they just wanted a Bible study. So not knowing where to start, we started in Genesis 1-1 to talk about, in the beginning, God created. Because what does repentance mean if you don't believe that God's even real? So we started with, look, God is real. God created everything. And we talked about the teleological perspective and the watchmaker and how um, the cosmological perspective and all these smart people's ideas of how the world came about and how these theories prove that in the beginning there had to be a force that started everything into motion and that motion was God. Well, at the end of this meeting, this person ended up saying, well, like, I came here because I wanted to learn how to repent. I came here because I wanted to learn what it means to fully give your life to Christ that if I were to die today, that I would know that if I face judgment day, that I'd be in heaven. Praise God. And I'm like, where did any of this come from? It's not because I'm, you guys know this, I'm not crafty enough in my sermons. I'm not crafty enough in my personality. It's just like God's at work. And what I'm praying is the same way that God is moving in that person's life, God is going to move in this church's life in ways that we can't even comprehend. Amen? Because here's what I recognize is 
Mark and I get no glory for what's happening in that young person's life. We laugh and we say God's at work. Nothing that we have done has done anything to force him or push him towards Christ. It's just been God at work. And that's what I hope happens here within our lives is not that we don't take responsibility, not that we don't take ownership of walking out the Great Commission, but God just does something extremely, extremely special. So Friday, I'm rolling the cart up with the pizza, and he actually came out of the bathroom. And while he came out of the bathroom, it's football. And he's, you know, on Fridays, we wear our football jerseys, right? So he's got his jersey on. And while he's wearing his jersey, he says, hey, Coach Brown. Yep, what's up? He said, I got a new sweatshirt. Cool. All right. He said, I got to show it to you. So he grabs his jersey, and he pulls his sweatshirt up. Across his sweatshirt, it says, Jesus is king. How cool. Praise God, right? So the applause goes to God. Not me at all. Not Mark. Nothing. The applause goes to God. God is doing it. And I just want God to do something in my life, even greater humility, greater surrender, greater pursuit of him. And I want the same thing for this congregation and every community that we represent, that God just does something. Now, here's the difference is I believe that God is at work in all of our lives. What we see happening in his life is there's this interest, there's this desire, there's this surrender. So I just pray that as God works in our lives, that he becomes the focus and we begin to surrender even greater. So I asked him, I said, um, how much was that sweatshirt? I'm thinking like 28 bucks is expensive. He's like, 60 bucks? Oh my, oh my goodness. Like, all right. Jesus, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. So I, I share that just to say, look, in spite of everything that's going on in the world, in spite of the bad news reports and politics, God is still at work. God is still on his throne. God still is moving in people's lives. And um, as much as God is moving in his life, God wants to move in yours as Uh, equally as much. Amen? So God hasn't forgotten about you today. God has not forgotten about your smallest problem or your biggest problem. Your big problem and your small problem has not surprised him. It isn't surprising him. He has a plan for it. He's working it out. He's desiring our participation with him. Amen? There's hope today. There's hope in your family's life. There's hope in your life. There's hope in sickness. There's hope in death. Nothing separates us from his love. Come on, somebody. All right. Well, with that being said, we are going to get into the book of Revelation. And um, I will give you the exact day that God is returning. I will explain to you every sign and symbol and analogy in the way that it will come to pass. I will share with you what, who the bear is, who the giants are, and exactly what coordinates the sky will be split open. So you do not want to miss the next two years that it takes us to get through <laughs> the book of Revelation, and that is including a Wednesday study. Um, none of that will happen. Um, we have to understand that the, the book of Revelation, yeah, many people have avoided this book. Many people have avoided teaching this book. Many people have even avoided reading this book because there is this thought that it's unable to be understood or taught, which would lead to greater confusion. Now, there is a lot of great confusion in it. There's a lot of... Um, unique imagery. But the fact of the matter is, if we actually study the book of Revelation, it becomes alive and our understanding will grow deeply. We must remember, though, that Scripture will only be unclear and confusing to the one who was rebelling from God. See, those who are rebelling will not understand Scripture. Those who are of the world will not get it. We see this in Luke 8, 
So he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. So there's a generation of people, there's people who are against God who are not going to understand Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So as we study the book of Revelation, as we study the book of John or Mark or Exodus, the scriptures come alive when they're discerned through the Spirit. We can't expect the world to understand it. But what we also understand is what scripture is telling us is we can understand the book of Revelation. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Amen? So followers of Christ can anticipate that the book of Revelation will come alive as we discipline ourselves in studying. So as we begin this journey, I am sure there's many different perspectives in here of the book of Revelation. Some people have never read it. Some people never understand it. Um, some people have only heard it through National Geographic Right, which is not a good, um, a good place to get your biblical studies from. Have you guys ever seen that? You know, National Geographic doing a study or teaching on the life of Christ. It's like, you really trust National Geographic to teach you about Jesus? Come on now. So um, some people have only heard about it through that, or our grandparents. So um, this book will come alive. But we will find out more clearly that Jesus Christ is revealed more in this book than any other book. Jesus is revealed. So, um, therefore, as we introduce the book of Revelation, there are way smarter people than me. And these smarter people generally have four interpretations of the book. And I would say within this room, there's people who have different interpretations of this book. The first um, interpretation would be what's called the preterist approach. So this view would interpret the book of Revelation as being historical events of the first century. Now the uniqueness about this view is it would require us to believe that Jesus has already returned to earth and it ignores the prophetic nature of the book of Revelation. So there's maybe some of you who believe this. Now, here's what's important, is sometimes we, we would read a book or watch a video and begin to believe what this person is teaching, not understanding what their viewpoint or interpretation that they um, understand the book of Revelation. So there's the preterist approach. Then there's the um, idealist approach. This view um, sees the book as a collection of allegories and stories designed to reveal the struggle between good and evil. This view sees the book not as actual events, but rather as myths and fables. So some of these teachers that we're listening to or books that we're reading, they interpret the book of Revelation through that lens. Then there's the historical approach this view sees the book of Revelation as a view on the church history. So that would mean it would see it as a timeline from the apostles to present day. Yet most of the events would be considered past events. This group seems to over-spiritualize and see the book of Revelation as pure allegory. And then the final approach, at least that... Um, that I saw based upon a bunch of study is the futuristic or the futurist approach. This view looks at the book and sees most of the events as being in the future and in prophetic nature. This approach would mean that events in Revelation would be seen as actual events. The people, 
The place and the things are not spiritualized and thrown into the realm of allegories or myths. Everything in this book is seen as real and a future event. To me, this is the way we should interpret the book. Um, and we will learn that not today. To me, we will learn that through the next several weeks and likely months that we study the book of Revelation. Each week, you know, something will come up that um, we're in future weeks where I will share this perspective. So let's not divide. Um, I know I want to say this. I don't know if I missed it in my notes yet or not, but I do want to say this. I do not believe that the book of Revelation and our, our different interpretations of it is the hill to die on, to divide a church. Amen? Jesus Christ is crucified, and the resurrected king who died on the cross, who lived a perfect life and rose three days later, fully justifying us, that's the hill to die on. Now, what I will die on in the book of Revelation is this, is he wins. Jesus wins. I'll, that's the one thing I will die on within the book of Revelation. Everything else, there's just... As a church, uh, I was talking to another believer this week, and while we were talking, there was just a minor disagreement that we had about um, Scripture. And I said, here's what I believe Scripture's saying, and they said, well, here's what I believe Scripture's saying, and we had this great debate, great discussion, no elevated heart rates or frustration, and we didn't agree to disagree, we just said, we need to keep on studying, there was no division within me and that other person. I wonder what it would look like if we had a church that as we bring up things within Scripture, that what actually happens is the women's group that meets, right? Next week, all you women are going to meet after church. Then what can end up happening is in the women's group, you say, hey, here's the Scriptures that Joey brought up during Sunday morning. Here's my perspective of what I've always been taught and what I've been conditioned in and what I've learned. And he presented something a little bit different. Now let's look at the scriptures and let's discuss them. So I hope that as, as, as we study the book of Revelation, what we end up doing is, is we are challenged. And when we are challenged or when someone thinks differently than us, we don't point the finger. What we end up doing is we look to scripture to sharpen one another. Amen? So we're going to disagree a little bit on some things. That's okay. Sharpen me. I'll sharpen you. Sharpen each other. And then let's, um, let's grow together to be um, more submitted and loving to Christ. So, nevertheless, um, I do believe that the fut futuristic approach, the now to futuristic approach is one that we should take. Um, the book is called Revelation and not Revelations. I do think that's important, and I know I poked fun at it before. It's important because to a world that is not knowing because they're blinded, to, when we say the book of Revelations, what we may unintentionally be doing is allowing them to think that the book of Revelation is a bunch of stories about these weird revelations, right, that, that the, through these through this imagery and through these stories that what ends up happening is it's just a book of crazy revelations that really have no meaning or the meaning is about the end of time. The book of Revelation is actually about one revelation. It's not revelations. The book of Revelation is less about the end of time and more about the revealing of who Jesus is in greater form. Amen? So, I know that might even be new to some of us. When we call it the book of Revelation, there is a tendency to think that this book is simply made up of revelations. But it is one revelation, Jesus Christ. The word revelation in the original language means unveiling. So, this book, the book of Revelation, is about the unveiling of who Jesus is. Revealing who Jesus is to the world. So the author of the book is John. 
He also wrote the Gospel of John, three epistles, um, epistles, letter, letters from an apostle, so 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and then the Apocalypse, Revelation. John was born at Bethsaida to Zebedee and Salome and was a Galilean fisherman, partner, uh, partner with Peter and Andrew. He was an uh, early disciple of John the Baptist. Now, John was in the inner circle of Christ. He was at um, the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17. He was at the raising of Jairus' daughter in Matthew 9. He was at the um, Olivet Discord, which um, the Mount of Olives, Matthew 24. He was at Gethsemane in Matthew 26. He was assigned care of Mary in John 19. So John saw a lot of things. Now the date of this book um, late 80s to mid 90s AD. Some of the um, theologians wanted to be very specific about this is the, exactly when it was written. Um, based upon many theologians that I trust, many of them said late 80s to mid 90s. So um, I'm okay with that. The original uh, recipients were the seven churches of Asia Minor. So John's later ministry was based in Ephesus. So he was familiar with each of these churches. But like all New Testament letters, right, this book is ultimately inspired by God. Amen? We agree with that. And therefore, since this book was inspired by God, it is relevant to all Christians today. This book is relevant to you and I today. So... Um, the background. This book was written during some dark, dark times in the early church. There, they were suffering terrible persecution under Roman emperors. The reason of this letter was not simply to have a book that cultivates, cultivates much debate and curiosity. That's what often comes up, right? We have movies written about the end of time. We have um, debates and um, there are actually some podcasts that I listen to that would teach about what they believe um, end time signs are taking place. And I love them. Um, I actually find hope in them. And then I talk to some people about it. And they're like, you're freaking me out, man. The book isn't just to cultivate great speculation and debate. It's not just to uh, create curiosity. Though there is a lot of curiosity. Um, rather, this letter is to help solidify you and I as believers to walk out the Great Commission in a crazy world by revealing to us the authority that Jesus has. Hopefully, by the end of this book, you and I are more sure of who Jesus is, which gives us a greater urgency and ability to share the Great Commission with other believers. Amen? So as Jesus is revealed in the book of Revelation, the revealing isn't just to say, here's what's to come. Because when we see these things come to pass, it's going to happen quickly where Jesus returns. Now, often what ends up happening is if, or I, I don't want to put anything on you guys. When I think about the end of time, when I think of we, we are beginning to see prophetic events in the book of Revelation um, come to pass. What I start to think is, what do I want to do with my life? Like, every day is so precious with Macy. Every day is so fun to be um, hanging out with you guys. Man, do I love life. And I think, all these prophetic events are happening, so just enjoy life. Enjoy one another. And I don't think that that's a bad thing, right? But when we read the book of Revelation, what I hope is cultivated is not how do I just love myself and love life and love Macy. I hope what's cultivated within us is that we say, how do we preach the good news of Jesus and further his kingdom so that no one would go to hell? Because why did Jesus come? Or what Jesus says is he desires that no one would perish. 
that none would perish. So as we see these things coming to pass as we learn, then that should cultivate in us a greater urgency to share the good news of Jesus. You with it? You agree with that? I hope you do. Um, yeah, so here's my note that I was talking about earlier. Um, there will be some things that we disagree with in this book, but I do not believe that our disagreements will be the ones to die on. So as we disagree, please be patient. One area that we may disagree is I believe that the Bible depicts a um, picture that as the end draws near, things will get worse. I believe that the Bible depicts that. I believe that there will be wars, increased demonic activity, that the spirit of the Antichrist will be roaming and at reign. I believe that that's it. That will happen. Yet, I also believe that as things get worse, we will also experience a great revival. So um, Jesus has the last word and not evil. The end of the age will be met with judgment on those who remain in their rebellion against Jesus. Yet, as those who will be met with judgment by Jesus, there will be a radical evangelism, a radical evangelism taking place across the world. So the way I understand prophecy is that Christians throughout history and the end of time can expect to be persecuted. Um, but we will be empowered by God's spirit to be overcomers. We will be protected from God's judgment. We are all given the ability to discern. We are all given the ability to resist evil. We will be given uh, courage to stand for Christ and to be faithful to Jesus during the end of the age. Then the end will come and we will have complete de deliverance from all sin and death. Then we, will, then we will receive rewards for our service. It's kind of weird that the church never wants to talk about that. It's like, it's, it's biblical, right? It's actually biblical that one day we will be at the judgment seat of Christ and everything will go through a fiery furnace and the good that we did and the good that we thought that we did will go through this furnace. And as it passes through this furnace, whatever burns up, we don't get rewarded for. But whatever survives the fire, we get rewards in heaven for. So, one day, once the end has come, we will all face that judgment seat. And we will be given rewards. So, if you have your Bibles, Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are, which are written in it, for the time is near. So what's being revealed to us very early in the book of Revelation is the person of the Revelation. There is a person behind the book of Revelation. It's just not this idea of events. Now, most importantly, we must understand that the book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ. The revealing or the unveiling of him, as we saw. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. So Jesus is being revealed. Jesus is the theme of the Bible. You guys recognize that, right? In every chapter, on every page, Jesus can be found. So Jesus is the theme of the Bible. It is a book all about him. The Bible is not about you, right? You guys recognize that? It's not about the world. It's about him. And it's about his love for you and I. Not about 
how we deserve or how we've earned or how self-love will make us a better person. None of those things. The Bible is about him. So, um, yeah, the Bible points to Jesus one way or another. You can find him on every page. But the book of Revelation has more of Jesus than any other book in the Bible because the book of Revelation is completely about him. One author says it this way. It is a revelation or an unveiling of the person, of the purposes, of the plans, of the power, and the promotion of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're getting into. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's what we're getting into. So when Jesus was here as man the first time, he was veiled, right? He was not recognized by most people as God, even though he was God, and he was God in the flesh. Many people, most people, didn't recognize him. See, Philippians 2 shares a story about that. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming to the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus became fully man. So Christ, fully as God, came in the appearance of man. But the Bible tells us we did not recognize him. 1 Corinthians 2.8 None of the rulers of the age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. So there was this veiling over Jesus that we couldn't see him fully. The book of Revelation is Jesus being unveiled to you and I. Now, there was one time, um, there was one time in Scripture that the veil was pulled back and his glory was seen. This happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. And um, however, that event was only witnessed by Peter, James, and John. When the world looked at Jesus, they saw him in his poverty and his humanity. They saw a carpenter of Nazareth. That's all that they saw. They didn't see Jesus as the Savior. They saw him as a man of low places. They saw a man with strange and dangerous teaching. And the last view that the world had of Jesus was that of a convicted criminal dying in sorrow and in shame and suffering on a cross. It's really sad to think about. He was veiled. The world didn't see him. The book of Revelation tells us that the world has not seen the last of Jesus, though. One author reiterates this. He is coming again. When he comes the second time, he's not destined for a cross but a crown. When he comes back again and he's unveiled, he's not coming to the cross. He's coming for a crown. He's not coming as a suffering lamb but as a sovereign king. He's not coming in shame and poverty, but in splendor and power. There, um, there is coming a day when Jesus will come and be revealed to the whole world. We will see him, and they will see him truly as he is. So the book of Revelation is teaching us truly who Jesus is. So, the person of Revelation is Jesus. Now, the purpose of Revelation is still in verse number one. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. So, this writing is here for God's people to understand God's plan for the end. 
you and I get to understand the plan for the end. Uh, if you're like, um, if you're like my dad, he likes to rewatch movies because he knows how they end, so he likes them, right? You kind of know the whole story. There's another friend of mine that will turn to the last 15 minutes of the movie and watch the last 15 minutes of the movie and then decide if they want to watch the first two hours. <laughs> Anyone else in here like that? If you're like me in some series that I've watched, when it gets to the point of tension, I get on um, the Google and I search on the Google, how does this series end? <laughs> and then, then I can be at peace. And Macy's like, don't tell me. Well, same with the Christian life. What Jesus is saying is, look, hey, you guys can be at peace because here's how it's going to end. He wins. And if he's inside of us, if we are a new creation, that means that we win. We don't win because of anything within us. We win because of him. So the purpose of the revelation is for um, God's plans to be known by his people. This revelation is given to Christ's servants. So, but this book is also writing to reveal the things that will take place quickly. Many people read this and think um, shortness of time. So, you know, people say, well, the end, the end is near. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. People have always thought that it's going to come quickly. And then you're like, well, wait, it's been 2,000 years since these things have been written. And most of them, many of these things have been fulfilled, but some of them have not. So how is this quickly? The phrase simply means that when these events begin to take place, they will happen in a short period of time. So when we begin to see prophecies in Ezekiel and um, revelation start to take place, we know that's going to happen, happen rapidly. So these events of the, of the book of Revelation were made, yeah, over 2,000 years ago, but the events will um, quickly happen. So in the original language, um, quickly or shortly, depending on the translation that you're reading, um, is translated by two Greek words. They are in, which means um, quickly, right? Or tacos, which is quickness and uh, swiftness. So in and shortly essentially is quickness and swiftness. So we are to understand that once these things begin to happen, they will come very quickly. So the purpose of the revelation the purpose of this revelation came from an angel to John. So, um, and he sent and and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. It means to give sign. Essentially, through my study, it means that God is letting us know that He will speak through symbolic language and word pictures. So the purpose was sent through word pictures and imagery. Now, why do you think he did this? Why did he speak through unique language and imagery? One author says this, these symbols are a spiritual code. The church in that day was under intense persecution. The language used would have been clear to the redeemed, but a riddle to the lost who might desire to use the message of the book to attack the saints. So they're in spiritual code. But then language change, languages change, right? Um, I don't even know, like, <laughs> I thought that I was relevant, and then language keeps on changing. Like, I don't know, like, even just the word swag. Swag is like an old word, word now. And the older generation is like, what does that even mean? Um, but now, like, what does mid even mean? Kids will just be like, hey, that's mid. Does anyone know what mid means? Like, anyone? Help me. Help me, Miles. What does mid mean? It's, it's, it's not good. 
It's just mid. What's another word? What's another word that's like low key? That's lit. Low cap. Um, what else? Period. It's just like, imagine if I was up here, like, Jesus is like no cap. Because if you keep on living that way, look, you can't be hot or cold. Like, because if you're mid, he pukes you out. No cap, fam. Won't he do it? Y'all going to be like, what is wrong with him? Language changes, doesn't it? So, language changes, but symbols do not. John was trying to write about these events and images and people um, far into a distant future. So he was writing this because I believe that the book of Revelation was meant for you and I to understand far into the future because there are future events that are going to take place. If they were events that were supposed to take place within that generation of 40 years or 30 years after the life of Christ, which many people would believe that these events were fulfilled 40 years or 50 years within that generation, then John wouldn't have had to write in symbolic language. John had to write in symbolic language because it had to pass, pass generations and generations. So, and John was trying to write about these events, uh, images, and people far into the distant land. He did not, um, and this is still what one author said, he did not possess the vocabulary to adequately, clearly he did not possess the vocabulary to adequately describe what he was seeing. He used the language of his day to describe events in our day and beyond. That is why the Lord sent this message in signs and symbols. As the language has changed, the symbols have retained their power, and they still speak today. Amen? So, the person of the revelation, which is Jesus, has been revealed. The purpose has been revealed. And now, so the purpose is to re reveal things that are going to take place. And then there's a blessing. The, there's a blessing in the book of Revelation. Verse 2. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. This is the only book that offers a promise to those who read, hear, and keep its message. We will receive a blessing. There is a blessing to those who read. There is a blessing to those who hear. And there is a blessing to those who keep. So I can say this. I will be blessed by reading the book of Revelation to the congregation. Like, well, that sounds selfish, doesn't it? Don't point your finger at me. The Bible says it. But guess what? You will be blessed for hearing the book of Revelation. Who needs a blessing today? I need a blessing. And then guess what? The blessing continues for those who keep it. This is the only book that seems to offer that. If we do these things, we can expect a blessing. Um, during the peak COVID time, we're sitting at home, and even during this time, even during this time of um, wars and rumors of wars and natural disasters, I had this big dream that I had no clue how to make happen. And maybe that dream's still in there. But what was happening is um, the world was looking for a reprieve. The world was looking for Jesus. The world was looking for greater hope. And maybe through prayer, I mean, I'm certainly praying, but whether this is just my idea or a God-inspired idea, here's what I recognized. Everything would change in the world if we would just publicly Teach and read the book of Revelation. 
Why? There's a promise in Scripture. There's a promise in Scripture that if we read it, that if we hear it, and that if we keep it, we will be blessed. So our nation will be blessed if we do what? Read it, hear it, and keep it. So if we want our coworkers to be blessed, if we want our families to be blessed, if we want the world to be blessed, what should we do? Read it, preach it, or read it, hear it, keep it. So I was thinking, like, through COVID, why don't we just start reading or find a better narrator to read it? Just have Dave Gaylor read it for me. I'll do the video. Dave Gaylor can read it in whatever voice you want him to read it in. So we're going to have him translate it in every um, language. So, um, and we just read it and let people hear it. There's a blessing behind it. So... Those who read it, this refers to the one who would read these words in a public gathering. In those days, copies of Scripture were rare. Usually, there would be one copy per church, and essentially one person would stand up, and they would read the Scriptures so that everyone could hear the words. The one who reads it is promised a blessing. And then those who hear it, this refers to the church that is listening to the words as they read or as they are read or as the person is reading to them. The one who reads receives a promise and then the one who hears the words receives a promise. And then those who keep it. This speaks to those who will take the message to heart. Those who hear it, believe it, and live it can expect the Lord to bless them for their efforts in this book. So if we need a blessing today, we need to study the book of Revelation. We need to hear the book of Revelation. And then we need to live out the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is not just here to reveal to us the things that are to come. It's to unveil Jesus to us. And when Jesus is unveiled to us, it transforms everything. I think... Um, in the Mount Transfiguration, Jesus was unveiled. Some might argue that Jesus was unveiled to a certain degree in the burning bush. Things for Moses changed in the burning bush. And then to another degree, people would say Jesus not fully unveiled, but he was also unveiled in peace at the Damascus Road. So an unveiling. What happens is when Jesus is unveiled to our lives, Transformation takes place forever. Amen? So as, as we hear it, as, um, yeah, so as we read it, as we hear it, and as we keep it, our hearts should be transformed as we come to know Christ. And as our hearts are transformed, then what that means, this book should set our hearts on a trajectory and our life on a trajectory to share Jesus everywhere that we are. Amen? We can expect that God will feed us and teach us as we move through this book of Revelation. But we can also expect God to bless us because we are taking him and his word. And we are reading, we are hearing, and we are keeping the words of his prophecy. That's why I want to encourage you to invite people who are lost to church over the next season. Invite people who are lost, your family members who don't know Jesus, your neighbors that don't know Jesus, your co-workers that don't know Jesus. What does this book tell us? That if they come, they're going to be blessed. If they listen to it, they're going to be blessed. Invite your lost friends to church, and they will receive a blessing. Do you guys believe God's word? How many of you guys believe God's word? I believe God's word. So if we believe God's word, then we should have an urgency to invite them here because I will get in the way sometime. I'm not using that as an excuse. I will get in the way. I'm not trying to. I'm sorry. But I will keep on reading God's word. Amen? And God's word will bring a blessing to them. So bare minimum, over the next season, God's word is going to be read to these people. 
So we want them blessed. Invite them, invite them, invite them, invite them. Because I believe that our lost friends, our lost coworkers, our lost family members, a lost world that as these words are read, they'll come to know Christ. I believe it to be true because he will be unveiled to them. So invite them. So I just wanted to give this reminder as we end today. The Old Testament is about a nation, right? The New Testament is about a man. God the creator became a man, which is the main event of all of history. The Buckeye National Championship, irrelevant. Alabama or Bengals or this war or that war, that's not the main event of all of history. The main event of history is Jesus. He died to reconcile us back to him, to make us friends once again. He is alive today in his resurrected body, amen? Jesus isn't dead, he's alive in his resurrected body. The most important thing in our life is to know him. The most important thing in our life, the most important thing in your life is to know him. And the theme that this man will reveal is himself unveiled at his return. That's what you and I will be learning over the next several, I would say months, right? I'd be lying if I said weeks. Months. Let's pray. Father, um, I just eagerly, with anticipation, am excited to see the blessing that you are going to bring to our church and our communities and our family members and our lost friends. I pray that I wouldn't get in the way. Father, um, unveil yourself to us. Give us a hunger to thirst after you, to desire you, to seek after you. Bring your scriptures alive to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I am excited about is when we get to some of the challenging things like the rapture or um, some of the symbolism, my goal is to share like how we teach it like just straightforward and then maybe how we teach it how like some people are questioning things like what does the bear represent? I'm not sure as of today that I'll stand behind saying that the bear is this person, but I'll certainly suggest it, and maybe I will stand behind it, or maybe I won't. But we're going to try to like bring in a lot of the conversation and then a lot of the straightforward teaching too. Amen? So be excited about it. Go study it, and then let's sharpen one another. God bless you guys.